what's up, y'all? Welcome to the first episode of Martians Eating Marshmallows, and I'm your host, Michaela Dene. And I don't know why I'm talking like this, like I'm in a 1940s film, but I'm a Martian, and we all know that I'm very strange, so I don't have to explain myself because it's my podcast, and I do as I please. So today on this episode, I'm super excited about her guest. She's such a good friend of mine. Um, her name is RK. We met in college. We both went to school in New York City um, at Manhattan College. And she was not in my class. She graduated a year before me. But my senior year was very, very, very lonely without her. But we are calling her all the way in the motherland of Africa. Um, in Nigeria, which I'm not really sure is my motherland, but it's the motherland, and we're calling her. Um, but like I said, RK or Rotkin, I'm not sure if she wants you to know her real name, but I'm saying it anyway. Um, but yeah, she's originally from Nigeria, and we met in college, and today we're going to be talking about some interesting topics through a different perspective of someone who's not American or French, but she's from Nigeria, but has spent a lot of time in a lot of different countries. Um, so thank you so much for coming along on this adventure of the first episode, and let's go. How's everything going in uh, Nigeria? Uh, everything's pretty good. I feel like the government is weird, but then I guess they're always weird, so it's good. So what's the what's the whole quarantine issue like? What do you guys have to do? Because in France here, we have to like um, we we can't like we have to stay in our houses, and uh, I think we have like one hour of exercise outside and stuff. So what's it? What's the rules in Nigeria? Um, so it's pretty much yeah, you have to stay in your house unless you're an essential worker. So if you work in healthcare, you work somehow in food or like. Well, anything basically to do with food. And the government gives like a couple of days each week, which are like, quote unquote, market slash outing days, where you can like yeah. go out and do shopping, anything else like they don't want to hear. And they're like a bunch of roadblocks and stuff like that. And it's really weird. I think they're really trying to contain how much people go outside because a lot of people were really happy for like this break in time. So people were yeah. like going jogging, trying to get their fitness in. And the government was just like, this is insane. I like. <laughs> so it's basically like every other place except for like America, because there's like places like in Texas that they're like opening up beaches and stuff. Yes, and I really like. Well, first of all, it's Florida. I feel like. Oh, Florida! Yeah, sorry. Yeah, like like it is kind of like we expect this from Florida, but at the same yeah, I time, know, but it's like you cannot stay six feet like that. It was actually kind of insane. It's just like, why? Why would you put yourself at risk just to go to the beach? Like, it's, well, I don't really like the beach. So I guess that's why I'm just like, it's not that great. You know, like. I feel like every other country is like taking precautions except for like America right now. Like, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it really is. It really well, is. Well, Donald so Trump is like so stupid. He literally was like the Chinese disease. Yeah, he's not great. He's not great. And I feel like people are going on, like, the news in America because, like, Nigerians watch a lot of American TV. And, like, they're basically being like, why are we shutting down the government? We don't shut the government down for car deaths. Why do this as well? Like, people want to work. Let them go to work. I'm just like, 
you're a government. People will die if you do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, people are, are literally dying. Like, it's such a huge thing. The, the only thing, like, that I'm worried about is, like, jobs and stuff. Like, that's the mm. only thing in money. And that's, like, the, the main issue. And the whole, like, stimulus check that you get in America is, like, it's it's not even it's not even a, a like, check. It's not free money. Like, it's a loan that you're going to have to pay back when you file your taxes. Really? Yeah. So it's literally like you're they're giving you a loan, but you're going to have to pay it back. And like for people that are like servers and stuff, it really sucks because like, you know, when you're paid in cash, you're still taxed on that on that on your tips. So you pay it all back at the end of the year. So that's like whatever you owe plus plus the twelve hundred. That's really bad. I mean, I don't know, like. I don't imagine that other countries are other countries. Do you know if other countries are asking people to pay them back the money as well? No, like in France, like, like I know my job has like given, given them like the government's paying my salary right now, like 80% of my salary. And then my boss is paying 20% of my salary. Oh no, I feel like, you know, I get that America is very true to like capitalist ideas and then like keeping its economy afloat. But at some point, it's you need to make a decision. Like what's of more value to you? People or like businesses. And even still, like twelve hundred is not that much money. Money it's really when not. It, like people were like twelve hundred dollars. It's like it's really not. Like people's rent is like nineteen hundred, like two thousand, like especially where I lived in America. It's like so expensive. Agreed. Like I was talking to one of my friends here when like everybody heard about the 1200 and then he was like, if you were an American citizen right now, you would have gotten this 1200. And I was like, but that's not really a lot of money though. When you start to think about it. I haven't gotten this 1200 though. Like, and I have an American bank account and I filed taxes in 2018. So, and I'm probably not going to get it. So, (laughs) You see, it's just like, and it's like, yes, that money is super helpful. But if people are going to pay it back, then like that just puts them more in debt. And I don't think like, yeah, Americans don't need more debt, (laughs) you know? Exactly. (laughs) And they can't even even, like, uh, like deny it. Like you can't like veto out of it. Like you have to take it. It's just so like ridiculous. They're like, we love you. Take this money. We love you. Oh, it's forever. So I wanted to talk about like our relationship though. Like me and you met in college, right? Yes. Okay. So like the first time that I met you, like I'm pretty sure that I said like, RK, do you like being bitten? I also feel like, I also feel like every single conversation that we've ever had in our lives has included one like super interesting statement like I don't I don't even know do you remember and I'll give you like a perfect example of this so one day we're like it's like maybe junior year of college for you and like we're just having lunch or something and then you go isn't it crazy how good looking Bill Clinton is and I'm just like what do you remember this conversation yeah I literally was just talking about how hot Bill Clinton was the other day like I was literally like just talking about this no and Joe Biden I was like everyone's like so pressed on Joe Biden now and like I was like I discovered this first like I was like I don't know 
Joe Biden though. Joe Biden is weird. Like I know, I know. Yeah, like but I'm young so- Joe Biden could get it though. Like honestly, he was I mean, so hot. No, you know who was kind of cute? Young Bernie Sanders. I saw a picture. If that was him, he was yes, pretty he cute. Was, yeah, he, he was pretty cute. He was like kind of like one of those like really young like nerdy people that would like exactly. You could, you could like you could like definitely see like each other like doing like all night study sessions in the library together and then like going to, to get a sandwich <laughs> get a sandwich <laughs> what <laughs> no young, young birdie sanders and you like, yeah this is <laughs> what no just like i don't know i think i've just i think i made a whole video about like young presidents and like who i would smash and who i would pass <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like it all depends on like their political affiliation. Like I'm just like racist past, you know. Maybe, like <laughs> maybe, but I feel like you know there's some there's some young people who I'm just like like I would definitely have smashed like like uh Ronald Reagan definitely would have smashed him. Like he he definitely the whole Reaganomics was like horrible, but like he was hot, you know. I mean, and you could change him for black people. I feel like maybe if he met you, he'd have been like, whoa, maybe black people are fantastic. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> I feel like Ronald, Ronald Reagan, like, yeah, he, you could tell he, he definitely was like a fox. Like, he was hot. Like, and he was an actor. I mean, I feel like Americans know so much about their presidents. It's such an interesting thing. I find that, like, Nigerians don't. Like, somebody, like, you got to wait till, like, they become president. And then, like, or maybe when they tell you all the things that they've accomplished. Like, it's crazy. Literally, the president's chief of staff died, like, a few days ago. And everybody, like, and we all found out that, like, he went to Harvard and did all of these things. And we're just like... We didn't know this. <laughs> All right. So you're talking about the whole Nigerian uh, president situation. So, so tell me a bit about the whole like Nigerian, um, you know, political system. So you remember in college, and I was like running to you, and I was like, I'm taking African government for a class, and you were like, the only thing that you need to know is uh, corruption, corruption, corruption. I feel like. The thing about the Nigerian political system is that it's very, it's very complex and you don't really get taught about it, to be honest. I think like, which is a big difference between, I guess, Americans and Nigerians is that you kind of understand how your government works. You can oftentimes hold your leaders accountable and it's not, it's not always the same for us. There are certain ways in which we excel. Mm-hmm. But there are certain ways that, like, we're not great. And it's that, yes, sometimes there's corruption. But sometimes there's also, sometimes you find people really trying to do good work. And then it just gets completely sidelined for various reasons. It's like, Nigeria is a very, and, like, you say something, the thing about Nigerians is that whatever you say, they're going to dispute it. So if you say, Nigerians are very tribalized, so we're very, like, whatever ethnic group you belong to, those are your people. And other people from other groups don't see you like as like sometimes their family and if you tell nigerians that nigerians would be like that's not true but deep well down, i guess it's yeah. like because you guys were explaining that you guys have like different tribes or different right different tribes of people. yes yeah right so i guess it's kind of like um i think the best way to compare that to american would be like southern northerners kind of situation right mm. yeah 
yeah. the thing is that, like, so the what thing is that, like, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. no, so like, what tribe are you? Are you actually? So I'm Angas, and I'm me. I'm from like a really like minority tribe, so mm-hmm. that affects like. So the thing is, there's someone like me. The chances of me ever becoming president are like really slim. Like, forget the whole woman thing. Really, yeah. really slim. Like, cause. I don't have the tribal pull in terms of like population to to like win. Yeah. And that's really important. You were talking about the whole women thing. And I feel like in African countries, though, you do see more women in kind of like leadership positions, especially just like from my opinion, like just like watching and following some like African politics. I feel like there's a lot of uh, African women who are in leadership positions than you see in America, I feel. Am I wrong? Or... Actually, in a way, so uh, this is the, the double-edged sort of like the experience of like women. Mm-hmm. Like, well, specifically like in Nigeria. So I don't know. Personally, I would... The thing about like having a female leader is like I don't think people should be leaders because like they're women. That's just weird. Yeah. Like yeah. I think the most qualified person always should win. But a lot of the times, like you look at government, and yes, sometimes there'll be like a lot of women at the top. But then the flip side of that is, in the next like positions of power, you'll just see men, and then at the bottom, women. And it's very yeah. interesting to see like. There are a bunch of things that could explain those dynamics. But I think in some ways, yeah, we do have, well, some governments are more progressive than others. So like for Nigeria, a lot of times for government agencies, whoever's president will pick who runs those agencies. Yeah. So if that president is like, you know what? I just want to see girl power everywhere. I want to pick whoever is the best for this job. Then you'll see that. And if the person isn't, then that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. But, like, do you think that's a cultural thing? Because I think that, like, African-Americans, like, okay, so I was, like, you know, having this conversation with a few people. And a lot of people feel that, okay, the way that the Black American, you know, view is, it's, like, you know, there's, like, you know, white women who are, like, feminists. And I'm going to do a whole, like episodes on like feminism and like the difference and like white feminism and how to me it's pretty much the same but like usually white women are like trying to like get from under white men okay and then there's black women who aren't even really under black men like they've never really been under black men black women black women are pretty much you know trying to get away from white white men white women and then black men but the main thing is white men like that's what we're under and a lot of like black american women like see the african man as like you know like really controlling like i guess maybe that's like what they've come in contact with but like for me like explain to to me kind of like how the dynamics work like just in your opinion because for me i just like see like so many african women who are like in charge of their households so can you explain like how the whole dynamic and culture thing kind of works honestly i just think it's like i think it's a case-by-case thing so i grew up in a like i grew up in a family with like a lot of like gender equity 
-hmm. there are more women in my family than men and even still like my father just was really open about like the idea of like women taking control of their own lives and like taking care of others giving us like the opportunity to be a bunch of things and you see that a lot of my male friends are like that like obviously the patriarchy is well ingrained in the yeah world. like yeah. And, this, and this is also true like in america i noticed it but like and i feel like it it kind of appears in different ways so sometimes you'll see like a nigerian man like there's this thing they always say about them that like they love to take care of their women Mm-hmm. which is like Nigerian men will do a lot for you like yeah like oh, girl girl don't do this thing I got you all the time and that yeah. in a sense is like limiting your own power because they don't give you the opportunity to like grow but on the other hand you can also see men that really just want to control and subjugate women and this is I think like all over the world it's just the same thing like yeah but have you dated someone an African man that's not Nigerian or have you had any, like, you know, interactions with them? Yes, and I find that, like, well, on a, well, I didn't meet this person in America. So I feel, like, super westernized. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, and super into their own culture as well. And yeah. yes. I think I know yes, what like, you're the, talking about. <laughs> and yes, like, the person had a bunch of, like, of their own, <laughs> their own misogyny to deal with. Exactly. But, but like, honestly... The person was pretty nice. Yeah. Do you feel that, like, I think that this is such a huge topic, like, now in in today's world. Like, everybody's like, okay, we're going to the whole back to Africa situation. And, like, I feel like a lot of African Americans feel that some part of African culture is their culture. But do you think that, like, Black Americans can appropriate African culture? Uh, you know, I feel like this is the conversation that lots of people have. And I don't, like, honestly, I'm not, like, I, I can't make the decision, but I feel like African-Americans oftentimes, like, they come from such a good place. Like, in their hearts, they just want to find their home. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, your home isn't here anymore. But that's not true. Like, at the end of the day, there's always, like, a pull that African-Americans have to Africa because, obviously, in a way, this is your home. So I think... I don't know if, as long as, I think as long as you come with like understanding and love and like a willingness to learn and assimilate, that's fine. And also if you bring things like from your other experiences that you think can really help build the continent and like Africans are happy to have you because I actually have like a bunch of people that I know who like had spent their entire life in America and they were African-American, like they came here and they had like such a peace about it because in a way it's that you feel at home mm-hmm. and Nigerians are like, Nigerians are super friendly. Like they hear your funny accent and they just think, look at this person. They're obviously new and like, they want to be super nice to you. And also I guess it must feel really nice to be in a place where like, you're pretty certain that the police won't kill you based on your race. Like yeah. that must bring you so much internal joy yeah. to know that like <laughs> nobody thinks your skin is weird, you know? Yeah. yeah. But do you, but, this is just like from my opinion I feel like some some Africans do feel like some black Americans disrespect their culture and like you know disrespect them as people do you feel that there's a thing because even just you know in general from my personal opinion growing up in the south like I definitely know that 
you know, being African wasn't necessarily always looked at as good, you know? So, so like, you know, do you feel that some African-Americans are disrespectful or do you usually come in contact with like African-Americans that just really want to like learn and grow? I've never thought of it as like, so it being disrespectful is a weird way to look at it because I think it's just a lack of understanding. And -hmm. I think this kind of dates back to like, just the way Americans are trained, like your academic systems, you like, Americans are kind of trained to look at themselves and their country as the best thing on earth. Like, yeah, definitely. Nothing is, nothing is equivalent to this. Everybody else just like living terribly except us. And I think they've never, they too have been like, despite also being black, they too have been like drenched in that like way to look at these other people as less than. Mm-hmm. Then I find that like once you once African Americans and Africans start to interact, like there's a real bond that they start to build really well. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can even see it in like music. In the past couple of years, we've seen how like Afrobeats has kind of spread specifically yeah. with like African Americans. Like you don't go like I feel like my sister had her bridal shower, and literally they were like playing "Did You Do" on Burna Boy on all the girls there. They all knew it. Like, they knew the lyrics. They, like, I don't know. There's a real bond and there's, like, a real sense of community that we tend to build amongst ourselves when we kind of open our minds to learn about each other. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's also something that, like, you know, a type of music that I really wasn't exposed to. Like, when I went to Manhattan College with you guys and uh, I was hanging with you guys, I started to learn a bit more about, you know, more mostly Nigerian music and Nigerian dances and stuff. And then when I moved to France, I started working at uh, Trace TV. And, uh, you know, have you heard of Trace TV? Yes. Oh, Trace is pretty big here. Yeah, exactly. Like it's so African. Like every African knows about <laughs> about it, and they're they're continuing to grow. And I'm pretty sure that like in every a- African country, I feel like they're gonna have a Trace TV. You know. So when I started working there, like you know, I started to learn like, oh, like this is a whole different world. You know, like like this music <laughs> is like a whole like this is this is a a whole different situation, and uh, it really is kind of like a huge you know privilege to like get to learn about that because you know you get to know so much more about another sect of music and stuff so do you think how do you feel that like you know hip-hop and you know African music are very well correlated how do you feel about you know you know that that correlation in a way I think it's like well a lot of people say that hip-hop kind of has origins in like African culture Mm-hmm. And I see that as like, you know, African-Americans wanting to be close to their roots and close to their family. And that's always welcome. And Afrobeats, the thing about like Nigerians that you have to understand is that we grew up super Westernized. Like I'm t- when I tell you that like that's why when everybody is talking about like cartoons that they saw growing up as kids in America, we saw those too. Like, yeah. We know your movies, like we share the general love for Keanu Reeves, like yeah, everybody. yeah. <laughs> that's my right there. Yeah, I like honestly, like personally, that's my president. Like yeah, he is kind of dumb though. He is he's not like super. He's not the most intelligent human in the world though, but he is hot. I just feel like I feel like he has so much light inside of him. That's I just true. That's I love true. it. We don't, we don't have to talk about intelligent conversations. We just we just can look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but I also feel like 
you know, so we grew up and these two things kind of fused together. Yeah. And there's like, beats is like, kind of feels purely us. It feels like years of, like, just like from like, we dragged like Fela, we brought all of his sound in. Then we also kind of bring in the sounds that we grew up with as well. Yeah. And like, so these things just kind of married together and are, they're part of who we are. And I think African, like sometimes you'll hear like a really deep, like Afrobeat, like jam. And like, there'll just be like a rap verse. Yeah. And you're just like, okay. But it works because there's understanding and respect. There's no, like Nigerians are never trying to appropriate. African-Americans are never trying to appropriate. They're just trying to show respect and love. And I think, yeah. Well, I think that's such a huge thing because do you do you actually feel that in Nigeria, you guys are kind of losing a bit of your culture because you guys are growing up so westernized. I think that's something that I kind of struggle with because um, America in general has such a huge like influence on the world as far as like American culture. I feel like when you go so many different places like India, um, India, China, like all these places, they have such huge American influences and it's kind of hard to find like authentic you know, places that are from that culture that haven't been westernized. Westernized. Do you think that um, that Nigeria is kind of losing a bit of their culture because of the whole westernization? Or and if you do, you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? What do you think? Um, I think, in a way, first of all, I hate to like. Well, I feel like when you're having this conversation, what I'm about to say will always come up. It's like yeah. slavery didn't. Well, like I feel like. Colonization, slavery, all of these things together, they didn't leave us with a lot of our culture left. Okay. And so, like, the parts that we do have, we did keep. And then we were heavily westernized. And I think, like, the thing about culture is that, like, it consistently just evolves. Yes, there's, like, a fear of, like, losing your culture and sort of maybe losing languages and things like that. But I think all of these things, they just come together. So it's, like... Yes, we've lost a lot of our culture, but we also gained things that are valuable. And then like, as a new generation is coming, we're sort of building together. Like, it's very interesting because I find that like, we've lost things and then are getting them back. And it's so okay. interesting. It's, it's so interesting to me because when you think about things like marriage and mm-hmm. like quality, so a lot of, if you look back at a lot of like African cultures, we really understood like the roles of like men and women and men Mm -hmm. and women did similar work. Like Mm -hmm. if my husband farmed, I farmed. If I did this, if I had a kid, everybody around me helped me look after my kid. Everybody did this. There was like a real sense of community. Like you were never going to marry a woman that you felt like couldn't be valuable to you in work. You were never going to marry a man who couldn't be valuable to you in work. And I think when like Western ideology came in, they were very like, "Mm -mm." men and women do very different things. Women tend to children and cook. And then we took that. And now we're seeing that reverse and people are acting like it's Westernization when in reality, it's just like, this is what you were always doing. Yeah. (laughs) You were always being fit. Like, yeah. Well, I feel like that's also something that I think a lot of like black Americans forget. It's like, I feel like we feel that we're like, you know, we were taken from our country, like our culture was like stolen from us. But a lot of people forget that, you know, colonization did also do a lot of damage to 
the the culture in a lot of different African countries, you know? So I feel like it's kind of like, you know, both both people that were taken and both people that stayed there lost a good amount of who they were, like, no matter what happened to you in, like, you know, history. So that is kind of, like, an, an interesting kind of, like, you know, thing to think about. Yes, I think it really, it really truly is. Civilization did so much. At the time, people are like, oh, let it go. You know, it was so long ago. But I'm just like, till today, we see the direct effects of colonization in our lives. And I don't think that, like, letting it go is the solution. Yeah. I think that I think that the whole concept of like letting let it go like you guys have you guys have moved past it but the thing is it's like you guys are still you know you guys are still benefiting from you know exactly. what your ancestors did so it's hard for us to be like let it go we're still fighting for you know this you know this equality and I kind of want to go back to the idea of you know feminism because I don't know. I think we've, we've probably talked about this a bit, but like, I personally don't identify as a feminist because I think that feminism and white feminists, the white feminism is the same thing. If you go back to like the Renaissance and stuff like that is a form of feminism, like, you know, women running things and it's always going to be white women. When you look at that, like black people weren't even in the, you know, in the, the works or considered people at that time you went to and then when you talk about somebody like susan b anthony and all these people who are considered abolitionists and feminists they were only like abolitionists when it was you know uh prudent for them you know for the white women so I personally just like don't agree that black women should be feminists because I think that we should have our own separate movement, mostly because whenever there's a, a feminist movement, if I join it and there's a white woman yeah. there, that white woman is always going to, you know, benefit before I benefit. But in a place like like uh, Nigeria, where you guys you guys have like white people but it's the dominant race is obviously nigerians uh how do you think like feminism works in in like that area is there a huge feminist movement or how does it work really um so personally i'm like a big feminist and i've Mm -hmm. always been like a feminist even before like i knew what the word was for and yes i am extremely cautious of white feminism because Mm -hmm. It is very dangerous and is truly like so all encompassing. Like it just comes in and it takes from everybody else's story. Yeah. A lot of the times to prop itself up and yeah. that's kind of dangerous. But I think a lot of the times we, we need to understand that like black women did do a lot for the feminist movement and a lot of yeah. that was stolen away. And that's yeah. just like the truth. So in Nigeria, like, there was a growing feminist movement, which I'm like very proud of and I think is truly just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think it's because, and I don't know like how much you keep, in, like you keep in touch with like Nigerian politics, but Nigerian women really do take control of like their own narratives and their stories and their own interesting ways. A couple yeah. of months ago, there was like this big story about this pastor and this famous Nigerian musician, his wife, had come mm-hmm. out and she was like he had assaulted her when she was mm-hmm. a, when she was like a teenager 
and it was a big thing. Like it led to protests. People protested outside of his church during services. Mm-hmm. And even months before then, there was like a whole thing called like the Market March, and of women in Lagos and what they did was like I don't know like if you've ever been to like an African country and you've ever been to like markets I don't know if like you've noticed it like the men who work there will like touch you because they want you to come to like their stalls or whatever yeah and they'll be like oh they'll be like oh you're so pretty come over here and then they'll touch you and so like women basically like protested that and what was interesting was the effects were kind of weird and funny but also really effective so this other lady was like she went to the market and this other man touched her and he was fooling her and he was like oh come to my store and like see this thing and then one other man goes ah please stop touching this girl over because girls mm-hmm. don't like this that's what they were marching up and down here for yesterday and <laughs> it sounded like mockery but it's yeah. like you learned yeah you did learn like i yeah and it's interesting to me so that's just truly what's so funny and i think like, we, yeah. yeah go ahead go ahead I just think that like we really are growing in terms of like the movement mm-hmm. and I think it's great like I think feminism has always we've always had feminism we've always yeah. like really been into it we've always always been into like and this dates back to like women protesting taxes a really really long time ago we've just but then again, it just feels like white women kind of came in and they were like, we think this is really cool and we're going to start talking about it. And it's so funny. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like white women have this like ability, like even when a conversation is not theirs, to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, and I don't, and I think this is also something that like, you know, I've been growing, you know, with myself, like so I'm like uh, I'm 25 now you know and I'm I'm like taking this like you know time to really learn about myself and I think that you know if I lie if I didn't say that I had a prejudice against white women I think that I would be lying like I'm being completely honest with you I do think that I would be lying and it's not like what like white women the a like I look at a white woman down the street and I'm like oh my gosh I don't like you but I think it's the whole idea of the white woman I think I think that's what I have a prejudice against you know you know what I think that makes a lot of sense I think it's very hard to move to a place I feel like African Americans have a very different relationship with like in general just white people I think Mm-hmm. It's hard to just it's hard to just love somebody that also actively participates and benefits from like stealing from you. It's yes. It's hard. It's hard to like love a group of people that support like your own stereotypes. And it's funny cuz like with like the advent of TikTok and just how much it has blown up. Sometimes you see like white women and you see like their little TikTok videos and it's basically like, ah, I just love black men. Why? Because they dress well, because they wear do-rags, because they're kind of thuggish and gangster and I, I like that danger. Like, do I think all white women are bad? No. But do no. I think like within their culture, a lot of them do really dangerous and harmful things that like other yes, people there, don't try to stop. There's definitely a culture of white women, which I think people kind of forget. Like to me, I feel like there is a prominent culture of white women-ness, if that's a thing. I'm glad you brought up TikTok because I think it's so funny. So I've like participated in TikTok and stuff, but I feel like I'm starting to like 
understand just how problematic this whole application is there's so many like I feel like white women are using their black boyfriends to get views and then you have these black these white men who are also using their attraction to black women to get views how do you feel about that I just I just think it's nasty I I, I don't like it. I And I don't like it. And I don't like that, like, sometimes Black men even put themselves in a position yeah. to be used like this. I just, like, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe, like, maybe they've evolved past it. Mm-hmm. You know, but, like, I have not. <laughs> yeah. I have not evolved past, like, sometimes seeing white people as oftentimes, like, using Black people as just windows for, like, I don't know, like, exploitation. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I find it so weird. I'm just like, why? Why is your white wife here, like, making you do, like, all these dance challenges and basically being like, ah, I just love my Black husband. Like, she doesn't love you for you distinctively. Sometimes yeah. it's weird. And I'm, and one of my friends, he recently, like, relocated to, like, the UK, and he was dating this white woman and I just felt like and I was like this is an interesting thing have you taken the time to ask yourself like does she like me for me or does she like me for like my blackness and what it stereotypically represents the process of getting this white man it's the process of like existing in this relationship because like it's such an emotionally stressful situation like because you consistently have to ask yourself like my gosh why because a lot of the times it's like and my experience is being like surrounded in a college with mostly white men taught me that a lot of the times, like they're not looking at you. They're looking at they're your not, skin. They're never like, looking at you. They're looking at your skin yeah. and they're looking at the stereotypes that like they were raised to believe about that. And so it was just mm-hmm. so interesting. Like you consistently have to ask yourself, oh, what are other people thinking about looking at this relationship? Oh, it's very difficult. I feel like, you know, it's all the ways that like, you need to question Because yourself. you were talking about how we were like at a PWI and I feel like yeah that whole situation at that school that dating situation was so like difficult um yeah at uh, Manhattan College that the the whole like dating at a PWI is like really difficult how do you feel about it oh I feel like I feel like it's very it's very difficult because you know on average there's certain facts that are undisputable in like the world of dating they're like for the longest time and Asian men were kind of seen as like the least desirable. Yeah, exactly. But like Asian men, Asian men got a rebrand. Like exactly. in the past few years, <laughs> in the past few years, like I don't know if we can like attribute this to like the spread of K-pop and K-dramas. <laughs> if 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 like somehow Jackie Chan, like all our years of like just like Jackie Chan media, like is coming back. Bruce Lee, like, yeah, exactly. Like, like the coolest Bruce Lee, like, in our 20s. Like- Yes, and like it's been fantastic. Like I love to watch this rebrand happen. I think it's beautiful. It's what the people wanted. It's what we deserved. Um, but I think it's really interesting. I I just I don't know. You have to consistently ask yourself so many questions. You also have to like be wary about the situation. Also, there's like the prospect of having like mixed race children, and mixed race children are so interesting. They live in a world where sometimes a lot of them feel like they don't truly belong into any specific race or culture. 
yeah. like they're being pulled everywhere and nobody truly accepts them and yeah. at the same time they also are just like subject to being seen as like standards of beauty within the black community because <laughs> of things like colorism exactly. and like that's also dangerous in its own way because like i don't know in that way it also comes with like a little bit of weirdness like look at someone like georgia smith she's got so much talent but mm-hmm. yet the first thing people always talk about is oh, man look at how fit she is, look at how fit she is. And sometimes you can just see it in her eyes that she wants to just tell everybody to shut up and listen to her music, like that she's tired, Yeah, you know? And it's so- well, I can just like speak directly to that because like me and you have like talked about this. Like for me, it's like, do, do you fit into the whole black culture? Do you, but you don't really fit into the whole white culture. So like, where exactly do you fit? And I'll tell you like, I want to talk a bit more about dating at like PWI's bit because I feel like, Maybe some other people didn't have this problems, but I feel like we just had so many issues because it's like usually when you're dating a white guy at a predominantly white school, all the white girls are like, oh my gosh, like, why is he with her? You know what I mean? And then like the few black men are like, of course, you would go with a white guy, you know? So I just feel like there's that, there's that concept as well. Yes, that's very interesting. And it's so interesting because like, it's not like as a black woman, you could never win. Exactly. You can never win because, like, you'd like, for some of us that, like, were actively looking to date black men, like, a lot of them were really not checking for you. And they're not. And they're not checking for you. And then when you're not checking for them, it's disrespectful. Well, it's disrespectful. Yes. (laughs) And it's so interesting. It's like, what's interesting is that, like, I think maybe for, there were, like, a lot of really good black men that we went to school with. And then there were, there were some that, like, just didn't which is normal I guess just like didn't were not about us yeah and so it's very interesting like and so a lot of them would like try to keep you but like as a side you were not exactly like just in case just so you didn't didn't get with somebody else that they didn't think you should be with like it's like if little Becky from Illinois was not feeling me you would be available exactly exactly I kind of wonder, like, why that is, like, why we're seen as options and not as, like, main kind of, like, you know, who you want to be with. Like, why do you think that is, really? Maybe we offer no proximity to whiteness. Like, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> like, maybe. And I also think that at the same time, we're all really just, like, subject to, like, years of brainwashing for, like, ideals of beauty. Yeah. And I just think that that's like when you really look at black women and you really start to look like some black women are gorgeous like I would say like 99.999% of the black women that I've met are like are so beautiful and like it's so so interesting because like none of us behave the same you would think that like we would have some similarities like maybe yeah we'd be like yeah we listen to Kendrick Lamar and maybe that's the end. Like black women are so diverse and it's so interesting, which is why like, I feel like the concept of preferences is super racist. Like I don't want to hear it. Like I don't want to hear, like I don't want to hear, I feel like I just like white women. It's like, why? There's no way, like, so what you're telling me is that like, you've never seen an Asian woman that's the same body size, the same, I don't know, like this has like the same sense of humor, like a dye her hair blonde and like still be a knockout. Like, what are you seeing at the end of the day? Like, you have to like be like, why? Why do I feel this way? But for minority groups, I understand like preferences because there is like some value in being like, oh, I want to send a meme to this person and I want them to get it. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Have, you, have you ever sent somebody like something that like had you on the floor and you were dying? You're like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And yeah. then you sent it to somebody and they were just like, mm, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like me and you know, my best friend, I'm always like dying laughing about certain things. And then I send it to her and she's always like, ah, I don't get it. Like lols. <laughs> and you just like, it's like, it's like, just get like, out. She'll send me jokes and it's like, she's like dying laughing. And I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? Like, I'm just, I'm like, just like, what is this? I'm like, just like, uh, okay. But it's also like, it's interesting that you said this whole like proximity to whiteness. Like, as someone who is light skinned, and I guess someone that would be considered in the whole mixed race kind of genre of a woman. I feel, <laughs> I have to say that. Um, but I feel like, you know, it, it is kind of like, I do feel like I do offer a proximity to whiteness and a proximity to blackness that, you know, isn't threatening to either side. Y- you get what I mean? Yes, I do. I can, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like you know but you're because it's like for white people i feel like you know i'm introducing them to like blackness but like not a scary version of blackness and to and to and to black people i'm like introducing them to like you know a whiteness that isn't threatening do, do you get that kind of feel for like you know lighter skinned people or like or like mixed people or I, I feel like I feel like lighter skinned people are as black as anybody. I feel like it's about perception for white people. White people yeah. like they like they just dump or black like, people. Or yeah, black it's like people, they like. jump. They just like dump this expectation on light skinned people to be like diet black. When in reality, like light skinned people are just as black as anybody else. Yeah, like like they're raised like they're probably raised by like. Their black moms, a lot of the times, raised by their black grandmas, their black dads. So like, there's nothing like a dire version. Like mixed race people, like that stuff is just like it's just skin. Like, but even but even if you're mixed race, I feel like I, I think maybe like it's getting more popular to be considered mixed race. But I feel like before, if you were like black, even if you had like one parent or grandparent, like you were black. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think I think maybe now it's getting more popular to, to be like, oh yeah, I want to embrace all my cultures. But like before, but like before, and maybe like as I grew up, it didn't really matter like who was cooking your breakfast. Like it was like you're black, you know <laughs> you're I mean? black. You know what I mean? Because like that was like the closest thing to a culture that you could really kind of like grasp onto. Yes, and it was also what people gave to you. Like people just yes, like, maybe. But, like you know, you're black, whatever. Yeah, exactly. You're black. Yeah. You're not white, so you're black. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I remember like growing up, and I went to a private school, like a really, really popular private school in Virginia. And this black girl, she was like, "I'm an Oreo. I'm black on the outside, and I'm white on the inside." And I used to think, like, I used to always, and she was like African, like you know, like I'm pretty sure, like her mom was like from her parents were both from like 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 Liberia or something like that. Like she was black. You know what I mean? So like in me, like, you know, with my multi ethnicities, I was like I always found that so offensive. You get what I mean? Like and I don't know what like she wasn't talking about me. She she was she was talking about herself. But it was kinda like like I don't know. Like she she just was like I don't know why I found that so offensive, but but it was like what's so bad about being 
you know, what exactly is whiteness and why do you want to be white on the inside or want to be considered that? You, you get what I mean? Yes. My thing is that, like, I guess proximity to whiteness does give you safety. It's like being seen as like sort of like a diet black does, but I've always hated that. I feel like it's so... But, it was, but like for me with this girl is like she like faced, like no matter if she considered, she, she considered herself black, but she felt like she found more things in common with white people. But the thing is, it's like she was facing racism at that school, like just like I was, but she kind of like let it slide more than I did. Like, I, like she she was from uh Liberia, and like her hair was just like really long. Like this was was like a natural like long hair, and um, I don't know. Like she came to school with the out one day, and uh, one of the guys or our one of our teachers said, "Oh yeah, you've got the hair extensions in today," and she was like, and she was like, "No," and like. For me, I was, like, offended for her, but she really wasn't that offended. And I think that, like, it's, I feel like when you, like, start to let a few things slide, it, like, kind of kills you a little bit. Each each time you let one thing slide, it really, it really, like, takes a part of your soul. You know what I mean? I actually do. And I feel like sometimes, you know, you're just, like, and it's interesting because I feel like immigrants, when we come in, what we want to do is, like, not ruffle any feathers. The first yeah. things are like, and everybody wants you to know. Your family has yeah. told you this. The co- the country has told you like this is not your home. You are here yeah. to get by as best you can, and that's it. So sometimes like you let it go, and you know that if you just, oh, people tell you if you just do the right things, if you are respectful to the police, if you are always good at school, if you don't get arrested, if you do all of these things well, you will be fine. But like that's not always true. Yeah, and a lot- but I. I feel like that whole concept of like immigration to like uh, to like America. I feel like you know, growing up, like being black and American, like I feel like like you know, like let's take Bill Cosby for example. He always like talked about black people as like you know, like not that we were dumb, but he was like he was like we could be doing so much more than what we're doing, and he used this. I remember watching this, and he used this example of um. Uh, he's like when you get a black person from Nigeria they come over to America what's the first thing that he does he goes and he takes classes at community college and like you could just tell like that one statement I got what he was saying but I feel like he didn't really I feel like he left out the fact that this is our country you know what I mean like we built this this country like (laughs) why do we like, like, like why do we have to build like work so hard to get to just a level of like comfortability I think I think that's also kind of like what he left out in that speech I think that that's kind of like the difference between African Americans and like immigrants I think that's kind of like the difference yeah I think you know in in a lot of ways we are very very different like it's just and also Standard of livings are very different across like different countries. So I would say mm-hmm. that like for us is that a lot of like Americans tend to like look down on African life or whatever. But mm-hmm. in general, like our standard of living is very different from American. Like, so a middle class Nigerian family, even though there's virtually no middle class, but if they were, 
this family would be able to like have two cars easily that they exactly. own. They would be able to have somebody to help either a family member or someone else like help with childcare. Childcare is very expensive in America. We'd be able to do all these things. And also we might be able to get to a point where we could send our kids to like really good schools. And the mm-hmm. thing is that like, because we're all of the same race, yes, like in Nigeria, the biggest defining factor is money. But in America, yeah. it's race. It's not money. Like, so no matter how much yeah. money a black person has, they can still really be held down in their society. So it's like, for yeah. us, we can have like a really, like you send your kids to like great schools. And a lot of the times that makes all of the difference. So like sometimes yeah. when you see like Nigerian immigrants move to the U.S., like, these, this is somebody with a medical degree. Half of the time, yeah. like, we come there with our PhDs. And like, yeah, exactly. and like, after going through American college, I can tell you this for a fact, Nigerian college yeah. is 10 times harder. 10 times harder yeah. for less reward. Like literally, yeah. <laughs> literally in college, like I remember there was like this class and like I was getting like a low A. And for some reason, mm-hmm. I was tripping over that, like, how dumb. And I was like, no. So I got to do, like, this extra credit work. And my professor was like, okay, write me this, like, 10-page paper. Make it super detailed. And if it's great and you get an A on it, then, like, you'll be, like, at, like, a 97 or whatever. And I was like, I'll take it. (laughs) In that moment, I was like, what in the privilege is this nonsense? Like, what in? But it's also, like, that's what I think people, like, don't understand. It's, like, my whole life, like, I was, like, I feel like they feed you. I don't know if you, you know, but, like, I feel like in Nigeria, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you got to, like, fed, like, you have to go to university. Like, this is the way you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to, you know, need succeed. But I feel like in America, like, until I went to middle school or maybe even ninth grade, I, I really didn't want to go to college. Like, I really didn't want to like I don't know why but it was like I don't want to, to go to college and then like the way that they feed like college in in America it's like it's like for the top tier of people and then it's like you know I got to college and I was like you know I got into this really great college I got into a PWI like it's so great like I compete with all these white people and I'm here I don't don't even play a sport and then <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I got there and, and I was like, yeah, you have to be really smart to to get into to the school. Let me tell you, girl, I was like, college is for anybody that can afford to get in. The truth. I was like, and truthfully, I was like, do you know how many dumb people went to that school that we went to? I was like, oh my gosh, like my whole life. It's but it is kind of like, you know, like this, like this world that's kind of like not open to you really unless you like kick down the door and uh, and like want to have that you know access because my whole life I kind of just like saw college as like this like you know thing for only like this top amazing people but it's not you know yes I completely agree it's funny because like since I was a teenager well not a teenager since I was like in primary school I knew that I was going to go to college I knew from like the moment when I knew that like I had to go to university, I did not know. But like I've always known this. And that's the thing about like Nigeria is that like academic success is so important. And like what job you end up having is like 
Like, that's why you hear a lot of Nigerians be like, I got to be a lawyer. I got to be an engineer. I got to be a doctor. Like, that's the holy trinity. Yeah. Like, that's what your parents want for you. Because those jobs yeah, exactly. get you, like, economic success. So, like, when I was, like, and so the way our, like, academic system is structured, it's, like, to get into middle school, you have to take an exam. You'll take, like, mm-hmm. an exam to get into that school. And each school's exam mm-hmm. is different. And some of those schools were hard. There's a school that literally gave people SAT like SAT exams to get into middle school. Yeah. So like, that's how they like, they give you past SAT questions. But so like, you write that exam to get into middle school. Then you write an exam after middle school to get into high school. Even if you were going to the exact same school that you were in middle school, you had to write the exam. And if you failed it, you would have to take the third year of your, of like middle school again. Then you yeah. got to like high school. And like from the first day, they're like, look, all of this is to prepare you for this exam we call YEC. And YEC ensures yeah. that you get into college. And so we're like, if you don't pass YEC, you're not going to college. You'll never get into like any good yeah. university. You'll never go. And it's so funny because they're like, there's so few universities. Or like, as mm-hmm. opposed to like America where there's so many. And there's like this story, there's this man and he ended up being like, he ended up working at like Harvard and being a professor and writing like this really amazing book. And he was like, when I applied for university in Nigeria to get into like one of the best, you know, he's like, I didn't get in. And then he's like, but then I ended up going to Harvard. And then everybody was like, everybody was like, then how does this add up? Make it make sense. Like yeah. there are people who fail to get into like Nigerian university because like there's no space. You are competing. It's like, like literally, when I got into like an American college and I got into like Nigerian colleges, my mom was like, my father was like, you know what, go to America for the experience or whatever. And I was like, after like my mm-hmm. first year of college in America, I was just like, nah, man. I was like, this can't be what people are going through back home. Cause I was like, I've also spent half of this time playing beer pong and I'm still here. And partying like, with I'm, me. I'm, like, I'm still here. <laughs> like my GPA is intact. I. I have not like I have not met any professor who like single handedly picked me out and was like you will fail this class. Like, well, does it? I had that though, but I do feel like I put Manhattan College through the ringer. I definitely did. Like, I was when I walked into that school, I definitely was a force. I feel like I feel like they still think about you, and they're just like Jesus. (laughs) Will we ever be free? People have no. Exactly. People, when they let me in, they were, and then when I stepped on that school, they were like, oh God, we never should have checked yes on that admission message. We were just, they were like, we were blinded by her gray high school GPA and extracurriculars. What we didn't know. (laughs) Exactly. What we didn't know. She was going to give us hell in her life. Um, they were like, we didn't accept many Angela but, Davis over here. Like, we did not accept <laughs> it. Exactly. But I just feel like, you know, there's so many, like, like situations just, like, going to, like, college and stuff. Like, people, like, they really just, like, don't get, like, the differences of, like, you know, going to college and stuff. Because, like, like I mean, even now, like, like I have a, a master's de- de- a degree obviously it's not an american masters it's a french masters but it's like you know it's like at this point like you never really could think you could go and do these things like coming from where you're from like it's also like you know 
when you're looking at the classes and stuff, it's just like not accessible because of the education that you're getting. Like, I remember like going to school and like we went to school with a lot of like uh, engineers and stuff. But the classes that they were taking, like from freshman year and the senior classes that some kids were taking when I went to school in D.C., there's no way that those kids could switch from those senior high school classes to freshman college classes and do well. You get what I mean? So so I feel like, you know, it, it really does have to do with your family and the roadmap that they've given to you or that they can give to you so that you can succeed. And in some way, I feel like, you know, white people don't realize, but that is such a huge privilege, Yeah, you know, to have that kind of roadmap, you know, because I don't know, I feel like obviously you, it's a bit different because your family is like, you know, very successful and like, you know, your dad's a professional, like, and stuff like that. But my family, like, you know, like, uh, so my mom's a teacher. You know what I mean? Like, so she was trying to, you know, help me, but there was only so much that she really knew about. You, you get what I mean? And a lot of it I had to figure out by mm. myself. Yeah. You know? And like now that I've like gotten a bachelor's, I've gotten a master's and I've traveled and I've lived overseas and stuff, like you I can really tell that like my world has changed yeah. compared to their world. You, you I get do. what I mean? Like there's there's this there's like you know part of me that you know has changed and it's not it's not that I don't have like a stuff in common with them because I do but I feel like you know there's a you're kind of fighting like both sides because it's like you know you're still this southern girl but you're kind of also not at the same time you know and I just kind of wanted to know a bit about that you because you know you spent a lot of time in America and they had to go back to Nigeria how how was that whole transition um so first as I like first of all everything about like the realities of how we grow up and how those shape our experiences are very true I think that like Nigerians we're not raised to like think that other people can like outdo us in academics we're just like we're like we are trained to be like academic juggernauts like from the start like we don't we don't know how to fail <laughs> like that's never in our minds so it's like whatever the mm. challenge is we're gonna take it in our stride and we're gonna somehow find a way to like win and that's just how and I, I know like a lot of people will say that like, that makes us like super prideful but like if you know that like you cannot fail that like nobody will even mm-hmm. accept that from you in your mind you're just like yeah can't do this I gotta always be on top and that's just the truth so I think moving back yeah moving back is very different like I felt like you know I really America has its problems let nobody deceive you yeah like but you know I do miss America <laughs> like I think there's a part of me that like, will always love it because I think I met like so many interesting people it's like I it's like I grew up there it's like in a way, because, like, your, where you go to college really affects, like, it's, like, those are, like, your second batch of, like, formative years, you know? Because like, you're, yeah. starting, you're starting again. And, like, a lot of for yeah. Americans, college is the first time you're away from your parents. For us, that yeah. was boarding school. So, like, a lot of, like, that food mm-hmm. that people were just, like, up and about in college, Nigerians could not be a part of because we're just, like, we've done this before. 
we've been away from our family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's like moving away and moving back home was just like a new challenge for me. It's like I got to have that fantastic experience and that's great. And that's something that like I'll always hold in my heart. Like I still talk to almost everybody that like we were friends with in college. I like still, and like when I think about everyone, I think about them with so much love, but it's like, Mm-hmm. there's also like a piece that being home just like gives you you know like yeah yeah I definitely miss that I I get that like, yeah but I feel like the different you were talking about the different of like mindset of like Nigerians it's like no one can outdo us like academically but I think that I think that I think that most black people will agree with me when I say that we are taught you have to work twice as hard to get half of what they get and I think that's kind of like the mindset that we're grown up yes you know what I mean we're taught it's like no matter what you do you cannot be mediocre and if you are even a smidget of mediocre you don't get anything even exactly you won't get anything you have to be amazing and great and so I don't know just out of this like you basically have to be superwoman superman jesus christ and allah like together you know what i mean exactly oh my gosh yes even be on the level of the most basic white most basic yeah but that's so interesting because like (laughs) every nigerians nigerians are just like so there's like a common thing people say on twitter it's like nigerians and suffering go hand in hand so like that whole thing of like excelling being better than everybody else like nigerians don't even look at that anymore as like a challenge like the role like the way it hurts like your mental health nobody even wants to hear about it everyone is like you know what thank god this is struggle that this is changing because we used to be like you know what that's the struggle boohoo for you like you know yeah like you know you gotta work twice as hard as everybody else. But why are you working only twice as hard? You should be working four times as hard. Like, <laughs> and like sometimes, like it pressures so many like young Nigerian children, and like, but they can't even fall under that pressure because everybody's going to be like, you know, all your mates that are struggling through you. Why is he you? And like, it's just it's so painful. Like there is no escape anywhere. Like and the only way to like escape is to keep just climbing higher in the hopes that like you get to exactly. a point where everybody respects you and then you can break down like in silence. Like we don't want we don't want to see your pain. Like how unnecessary. Yeah. I feel like I feel like for me, like even like at this point in my life, like maybe this is just me being an insane kind of like you know person that pushes myself so hard but I think that even now like me having a master's and like you know getting to this point I'm literally like okay but now that you've done this what next you do you You suck it's like it's like it's like you suck you it's like maybe it's because I'm just like I think people like you know see me such as an intense human being and I think that they're like oh my gosh like uh, Oh, Michaela, she's so intense. But I don't think people realize, like, if I put that much pressure on you, imagine how much pressure I put on myself. You get what I mean? Like, but it's like, but it's like, you have to be that way. And I feel like it's not just unique to me. I think it's unique to, if you look at a lot of successful, like, Black people, like, that's just kind of how they are. I feel like it's it's very rare that you're going to have someone that's successful and Black who isn't as intense. I agree. I agree. As, you know what I mean? Like, 
look at somebody like George Bush. He's like the most mediocre human being ever, but he's super successful. That wouldn't happen. I completely, I completely agree. Black. I feel like, and that's something about me as well. Is that like I'm very high pressure. Like even at my job, everybody is like, you know, who can always do this thing? It's me. And like I put so much like internalized pressure on myself. I feel like, for me, like this lockdown situation. Some people are like. Well, you know, I gotta use this time to kind of like re-strategize and maybe like take a nap or whatever. I'm over here, like I have like seven online classes. I'm like reading three yeah. books. I'm just like, you know, I gotta do this. I gotta be better. I gotta build. I gotta build. And like, it never feels like the the fight is over. But it's funny because like, I don't even. Like, That's true. And in terms of like how I treat other people, it's like I don't even give other people this pressure. So like, when other people are like. Today, I drew a cloud. I'm just like, and that's fantastic. That's a win. That's yeah, a big like, win. Like, that is true. No, I understand like, that as well. Because I'm like, wow, yeah, like, like, great. In a way, like, because to be honest, that's like, I value that in people. Like, you have that ability to just do something, do it well, and be good at it. and move. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Because I have a cousin, she's 16, and like, when she was younger, like, she would be on these, like, school breaks or whatever, and she would just be on vacation. You know what I mean? Like, she would just be watching Netflix, and there was no stress at all in her life. And I remember when I was, like, 14 or 15 or 16, like, I was stressed all the time. Like, I was like, I have to do this. I have to be amazing. I have to, to do this. So the fact that she can just be so relaxed and so okay with whatever, I, de- I definitely, like, you know, admire yeah. that in her because I just don't have that in me. But if anything, I think we should be happy. I think it's, like, the safer world that we've helped build for, like, people younger than us. We're, like... They can decide not to go to college and just like take a bunch of online classes, learn how to be like masters at data analytics and get fantastic jobs. Like, Well, that is something, though, that I think that like I think that it's different for like black people, the culture situation, because I was talking to like my a Hawaiian friend and I was like, I think that a lot of black people like they're like we have a lot of like stuff on our shoulders it's like our our ancestors were slaves we we went through the whole you know civil rights movement so because they did this i have to do this and uh, one of my hawaiian friends was like you shouldn't go to college because other people can't and that was like so like you know mind-boggling to me because i was like well because so many people don't have this opportunity i have to take this opportunity i think that's also a cultural thing yeah you know i feel sometimes i just i just worry about like the intense impact that all of this has on like young black people and it's funny like the world is getting kind of more inclusive we're all starting to like give little black kids more opportunities but i still see them like go through so many struggles that we kind of should be done with by now like and it's so fascinating to me and like fascinating in a terrible way like why are they still having to work three times as hard why are they still having to do all of these things and it just feels like the goalpost keeps moving for them and it's like how i get that it's like how can we even fix this but do you think that that's us, though? Because I feel like, you know, like, 
I grew up with uh, my grandparents and like, you know, I remember like being tired and like not wanting uh, to go to school. And my grandfather was like, when I was your age, I had to walk three miles, climb up Yosemite and walk down. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like maybe that is us. Like, I feel like we, we kind of put that pressure on them. Do you do you think that or do you think it's I think world? it's I, I think like the world has forced us to put that pressure on ourselves. And this whole story of like yeah. walking miles, I feel like across continents, that's like a black people yeah. thing. Because literally yeah. I don't know a single black parent that hasn't told their child, Do you know how many miles I had to walk to get to school? Do you know do you know like I used to be the I used to have the highest grades in my class every year, every single year. I'm just like, not, all of you could not all have had the highest grades in your year. Who is the liar? <laughs> exactly. Not there was not a mass migration to get to first like, room. Period. Just like, like just I like, and I don't even. And honestly, I believe the whole story of like the walking to get to class. Like I'm sure like schools were few and far between like you had to walk a huge distance and like maybe your parents like didn't own cars because wealth was hard to come by for like black families. <laughs> but I also just feel like that whole thing about everybody having the highest grades. I'm just like girl. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that that my grandparents owned a car. Like I don't care. Like I'm pretty sure they had a car. Like I'm just saying like knowing my great grandmother like they had a lot of land and stuff. I don't feel like really poverty was really that. <laughs> I hate to be this person. Like, I'm super not wealthy, but I feel like that whole poverty concept was not. I know some other people had it worse than uh, than my grandfather. That's all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but ugh, I just think the world is like super complex for like black people. And that's just, we just have to navigate it. You know, take each day, like, take it like one day at a time. Just. And find joy where we can. That is, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of, like, a good thing to, like, leave off with. It's, like, you know, at this point in our life, we just have to take it one day at a time and, like, find happiness yes. where we can. I think that's, that's a great thing to leave off. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast, RK. Thank you for having it. me. This was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'll be in contact after this and uh i hope you had a good time on martian eating it was fantastic 10 over 10 highly recommend all right (laughs) thank you Bye. bye all right guys that was the first episode of martians eating marshmallows and what a great sentiment to leave off with that you really cannot take life too serious you have to take it as it comes moment by moment second by second and when you can't do that just hold on for dear life and when you find happiness just hold on to it because there's so much darkness in this world that when we find happiness we really cannot afford to let it go if you guys liked that episode don't forget to follow the podcast and to follow me on instagram so that you can keep track of everything that's happening with the podcast. All right, marshmallows, it's time for me to go into hypersleep. Um, I'm just here to remind you, stop trying to fit in because you were born to stand out. Over and out.